Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. We are in the sixth installment of the Walking Dead series. How many have enjoyed this series so far? Anybody? We got one. Hey, if it's only one, amen. That's good. It's good. So we're using Ephesians chapter 2 to sort of kick it off. And I have asked this every time I put the slide up. Uh, has anyone read Ephesians chapter 2 yet? Oh, we have a couple extras. Woohoo! Well done. You know, I learned something from Bishop Beecham. He said, you know, any of these short chapters, Ephesians chapter 2 has 22 verses. You can read it at a stoplight. I mean, everybody's got their phones on anyway. You're not supposed to be texting. You're not supposed to be looking at Facebook. You're not. You know, but if you actually were looking down and reading the Bible and somebody hits the horn while you're doing maybe you'd be in a better mood. But you could read at a long stoplight, 22 verses. This is not much to ask. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're starting with, we are dead. You were dead in your transgressions and your sins. In other words, there was a point in time when you became alive, God breathed life into you. You were a little baby. You grew up and you went around this world and you realized that there's right and that there is wrong. And then you realized, I'm doing a lot of the wrong. And the Bible says that the Lord can reborn us. We can be born again when we give our heart to Jesus Christ. And that's what this verse is talking about, that once we were dead in our sins and we were far away from God, and once we give our heart to the Lord, we can become close to God. And so what we want to talk about in this series is when we become close to God, we come to church and we meet people and, and we begin to fellowship and we begin to go to classes and we do ministry and, and we come to church day in and, and week in and week out and we may go to conferences and read books and listen to worship music. And the question is, is, is that it? Is that what we're supposed to be doing? Does that mean we're alive? Does that mean we're alive in Christ? Does that mean we're alive doing the things that he's asked us to do? Amen? Amen. So, what makes you alive? In this series, we've been going through the characteristics, the seven characteristics of what makes anything alive. A plant, a flea, a bacteria, anything that's alive, what makes it alive? What are the seven characteristics? And so, we've been going through that, and we've been comparing that to the church and suggesting what makes a church a living church versus a dead church. And again, this is not for evaluating your friend's churches or evaluating the church down the street. This is about taking a look at Kingsway and what we can do to follow the word of God. Amen? So what we've learned after looking at these seven characteristics that are both in science and in the Bible, that there are seven of them. There is eat, breathe, move, one of my favorites, get rid of waste, uh, and grow. And how about this grow in here? How awesome did Chad Bates do last week on the Grow Message? I don't know how, I can't follow up on that. I, I mean, he, he did a great job just watching what the Lord was doing with him. There's going to be others that stand before you that are not me. It's okay. That's the plan. The plan is that I don't preach 50 weeks a year. The plan is that the team, that we work together, and I encourage others, and that we have a team preaching and sharing the Word of God with you. And so Chad was just one example of what that looks like, and he did a, a phenomenal job. He said last week, one of the big questions he asked is, we're all growing physically and spiritually, whether you like it or not, whether you eat healthy food or you don't eat healthy food, you're still growing. The question is, what are you growing into? 
and he had a really funny caricature of what we could be growing into. What a great question. So today, we're going to flip a, a little bit differently and think bigger and broader. And so I have a picture for you to inspire you. Ooh. Ah, is that what heaven looks like? And my kids ask me. You know, the clouds in space. Clearly, there's no clouds in space. But this is a beautiful, majestic picture of space, of earth and a few planets and some stars. And instantly, when I look at outer space, um, I think of the majesty, of the wonder of who God is. Because my first thought that comes to mind isn't Star Wars or Star Trek. The first thought that comes to mind when I see space is infinity. It's just infinite. It goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And somehow, someway, our God is part of this whole universe, of this whole existence that we live in. And when we think about God that way, and we look at Scripture that way, we see some very important characteristics about who God is. I've preached about this over and over again, uh, particularly in the Great I Am series. I just love talking about who God is. And what we've learned about who God is, and most of you know, we say these things all the time. God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And he is all-places. We talk about this all the time. All-powerful all means he's omnipotent. It's a big fancy word. That means he can do all things. He could do all things. That means there's nothing outside the realm of possibility for God to do in your life. There's no amount of physics. There's no amount of logic. There's no amount of contradiction that can block what God can do in your life. You don't need to be educated. You don't need to know the whole word of God. You merely have to come before your Father in heaven with some faith and ask. The Bible also says he's all-knowing, omniscient. Means he knows all things. Most of the time, Christians think to themselves, Ooh, that means he knows what I'm thinking. Yes, yes, he does. Let's offer your thoughts back to him. Yes, he knows what you're thinking. He also knows what others are thinking. He knows his plan for this church. He knows the plan for Chuck and me and how we're going to work together. He knows all things are working together for good. God is not caught by surprise. Now, certainly we can step out of his will because we have free will. We can step out of that, and God then works with us in our state. And hopefully, hopefully you want to follow and you want to serve the Lord. You want to be a disciple of Christ and come back into his will. And, and he continues to do these all-powerful, all-knowing things in your life. It also says he's all places, which means you can go nowhere that he can't see. There's no special place that God can't be around or be. And, and this isn't just physical places. Many of us suffer from all sorts of, of terrible issues in our mind and in our bodies. You know, there are moments in time where we feel very lonely. There are moments in time where we feel depressed. There are moments in time where we just don't know which way is left. God is there. God is there. He is everywhere. When you run away from him, when you run into sin, when you make terrible decisions, when you go away thinking, well, if I just run far enough away, if I go and attract enough evil and Satan in my life, God will leave me alone. No, he is there. He is all places. He is all-knowing, and he is all-powerful. But this series and this particular sermon is not about those things. It's about him being all-creative. This is the one we don't talk as much about. The fancy word for this is omnificent. It means he's all creative. Think about this for a second. 
How boring would our God be if he was all-powerful and all-knowing, and yet he wasn't creative? He just kind of did the same thing over and over and over and over again. No, he is all creative. It means he's created all of you. It means he's created the worlds. He's created all the animals. He's created all the biology, all the chemistry. He's created all things. Snowflakes, no two the same. DNA, well, I guess if you're twins. But outside of that, we are all very unique fingerprints of God, if you will. So he is all creative. So the, the characteristic today that we're going to talk about, about being alive, is one that's also exemplified in God. You need to be creative. The biology word for this is you need to be able to reproduce. You need to be able to create. Let's look at Scripture. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Psalms 139, 14. Do you know that? Do you know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you know that you were created by God today? I just put some notes here because when I wrote this down, I figured I would just say that and everybody nod their heads. Here's some notes. We've learned in engineering that when you create beams, that they need to be lighter weight in order to suspend and hold up all the building. And so we've learned about these beams is that when you create a beam, you create the outside of the beam really structurally sound and strong, and the inside of the beam can be lighter weight because at the edges of the beam is where the surface area of a building is leaning on. So the inside of the beam can be lighter weight. We found the sound of engineering, and then we look in our human bodies and realize that's exactly how all of our bones in our body are created. The outside of the bone is heavy. The inside carries the marrow and is soft. Our brains are the most wonderfully and majestic creations of our body, in fact. Do you know, I just went back in time and looked back. When the railroad was invented, and it was going through towns and villages and whatnot, it made a terrible sound all the time. And you know, when you go back and read doctor's notes and whatnot, when people moved to the town, they said it was so annoying, it was so loud. But the brains, after a short period of time, was able to block it out because it knew it was constant noise. Our brains can be noise counseling if they need to be. Blindfolds. You put a blindfold on for more than about 10 minutes, and immediately your brain starts processing sound differently, starts processing touch differently. Your brain is phenomenal. In fact, way back when, before all of our time, when they created spectacles, glasses, in fact, the first go at it, the, the glass that was inside actually projected the image upside down. But it, they could see it was just upside down. Do you realize, and these are doctor notes written and documented, the brain was capable of readjusting those images to right side up. So for a long period of time, people were looking at things upside down, but their brain was able to function and readjust that. I mean, think about what's going on in our bodies. Babies. I got to talk about babies real quick because this is just one that always blows my mind. When I had my baby Austin, uh, we wanted to uh, have all-natural childbirth, and yeah, that was a great idea. You know, so we went to Lamaze, we did all the things, no drugs, no caffeine, nothing, you know. And so, you know, we get to the delivery, there's going to be no drugs, the whole whole process. And we found out like a month before or two that um, our baby hadn't uh, turned in the womb. And so a certain number of weeks, the baby turns. And when it turns, then it gets its, its head in position to have the delivery. And if it doesn't turn, that's a really big deal. It could be because of the biblical cord. It could be all sorts of reasons. 
And so that's what happened with Austin, and we had to do a, a C-section, and it was everything but a natural childbirth. It was like straight surgery, and, um, but everything was fine. Everything was great, but I kept asking the question. I kept asking the question to the doctors. Okay, so exactly when does the baby turn? Well, it could be here and here. Okay, so how does the baby turn? What, you know, what, what causes the baby to turn? Is it a chemical that the mother produces? Is it a size the baby gets? Is it a motion that happens? What happens? I asked every doctor I could talk to, how and when does the baby turn? We, we, we don't know. It just does. And if it doesn't, it's a problem. And then we do all of our modern medicine. Think about that. Think about that. And so another thing, the baby's little heart has a hole in it when it's born, a little ventricle. has a heart. And as the baby grows, that heart begins to close all the way up until childbirth. And it closes just to the right dimension to allow oxygen and blood to go through. I'm sure our nurse can tell us a whole lot more details here about it. But the point is, it closes and it still functions exactly right. How does it know the exact diameter to close? How does it know? Because we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. I put some more notes here. 263 bones in our body, 600 muscles in our body, over a thousand, just about a thousand miles of vessels, of blood vessels. You have a thousand miles of blood vessels in your body. Process that. If that's not good enough for you, you have 20,000 hairs just in your ear. You have 20,000 hairs just in your ear. Here's some bigger numbers. You have 10 million nerve endings. You have 20 million little teeny tiny mouths. 20 million little tiny mouths in your intestine that eat all the stuff that goes through. You have 600 million air pockets in your lungs to breathe in oxygen. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. The next time you say that you are worthless, that you can't do good, that you don't feel good about yourself, that you feel self-hate or self-loathing, you need to understand that God has made you and he has made you perfectly. If you want to worship God and you want to honor him, you need to recognize today that one of his greatest creations was you. And therefore, you must respect yourself as much as you respect God. Are you with me? I, I got to keep going here. For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works which God has prepared for us to do in advance. Ephesians chapter 2. If you read Ephesians chapter 2, you would have known this verse already. I love this verse because constantly at home, you know, we're always just in spirited debate. It's a fancy way of saying, you know, we're discussing things with vigor and aggression. And when we discuss things, sometimes I'll say to my, my wife, man, you're a piece of work. I'll say that. And without catching a beat, she'll say, that's right, God's handiwork. It's Ephesians chapter 2, she's always telling me. The Bible actually translates this in another way as a masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. The real intent here is it's not just me. Wilma, you're his masterpiece. Chuck, you're his masterpiece. Andy, you're his masterpiece. Maybe this is why people don't sit in the front because I pick on you. Which means when I'm interacting with you, I am interacting with God's Da Vinci, God's Michelangelo. So 
When I interact with a human being, I need to recognize that God has created that human being, regardless of what I think, because I know what God thinks. He thinks you're perfect. Amen? So we need to get this in our mind. God is a creative being, and he created us, and he created these masterpieces called you and me. And he expects us to create as well. I mean, it happens naturally. For instance, when you get hurt, your body can heal. Inside your body, when you're growing, cells are replicating in a teeny tiny little cell. All the DNA you need in that cell is replicating by osmosis over and over and over again, all throughout your body, doing all sorts of things to help you grow, to help you heal. It, you are born to create. You're also required, or at least encouraged, if possible, to procreate. We have required, I use the word required because if we don't procreate, the entire human race just disappears. Um, so not all of us do, but some of us do. And when we procreate, we create another being and we play a role in that. God has and makes a big deal about this. I'm going to talk about that in a second. There are a lot of things that we need to create. And so I want to share this story with you. I found this. This is uh, Dr. Gutsky. He said this. This is a rose. He says, you can always tell the difference between a real rose and a fake one made in a flower shop. The real rose may be beaten by the winds. It may be eaten by the cat. It may even have holes from worms in it. While the fake rose may be a beauty to behold. But one thing is certain. The fake rose will never produce another one. No matter how beat down we get, no matter how difficult life is, you are God's masterpiece and you are called to create. And if you are not creating something, well, then you are beauty to behold just like the fake rose one day to wither away. So in order to be a living church, we need to be a creative one. Amen? And so the point for today is to recreate, not just imitate. Also, often churches want to imitate another pastor, imitate another group of people, even as human beings. We, we have people in our lives we look up to and that we consider role models and we want to imitate them and be like them and, and try to replicate them. And, and that's not all bad. I mean, we say, well, aren't we supposed to imitate Jesus? Well, kind of, but no, we're supposed to follow Jesus. Yeah, we're supposed to be like him, but we're supposed to follow him. And then the Bible says, actually, greater work shall we do. So you see, it's not about imitation. It's about obedience and following him. And yet in this world, we get it all twisted up. And so what I want you to realize, the scripture is very clear on this. The scripture is not interested in you imitating something. It's interested in you creating something and allowing God to do that creation through you. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this. The first one here that I have is Genesis 128. You know, this is the first commandment in the Bible. This is Genesis. This is way before Exodus. It says, be fruitful and multiply. Our first commandment is to be fruitful and multiply. The first thing God said to man. We are called to recreate. So yes, this is meant initially to be our families. We are supposed to enter into a marriage, a husband and wife, and we are supposed to have children in that marriage, and we are supposed to uh, minister to our own children. I want to talk to the people who have children today. The people who have children, young, old, grandchildren, or otherwise, make no mistake, your greatest ministry on the planet is your children. It's not something in Kingsway. It's not something on TV. It's not something in a book. It's not something on the stage. Your most important ministry is your children. But it's not just families. 
that God was talking about when he said, be fruitful and multiply. You see, there's so many things that we are multiplying in the course of a day. You spend any time with the kids and you have a certain behavior, your kids will start imitating that behavior. You are recreating your behavior in a little one. Your actions, your comments, your thoughts. I mean, the things that Griffin says and does, we're recreating in him all the time. And sometimes it gets a hold of YouTube, and, and sometimes I don't, know exactly what he, I don't know exactly what he says and what he does. You know, the other day, he was sitting in the back seat, and he was saying, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. I'm like, Griffin, what are you saying? Uh, he's like, Donald Trump. I said, who is Donald Trump? And he looks at me as clear as day, and he says, it's the boss of our world. You know, because his, all his games have worlds. So you see, I don't know where he gets these things from, but my point is somebody's recreating some thoughts in him, and so that's why we need to take a better care of what's going on in YouTube. But that's also my point. If we don't teach our children how to serve the Lord, the world will teach them how not to. And so when it comes to recreating our behaviors and be fruitful and multiplying, understand that somebody is multiplying in the lives of others. It could be a teacher in our children, teaching them about evolution in a way that does not honor God. They could be teaching our children things that do not uplift the Creator. It could be a friend at school who's teaching our children about something, and, and it's recreating a behavior in that child. It could be somebody that they watch on YouTube. It could be a, a music and, and the types of songs they listen to that are somehow influencing and recreating and behavior and influencing them. It could be a celebrity they follow closely or a book series. My point is our children and those around us, our friends, are constantly being influenced. And you are called today to be fruitful and multiply. And frankly, if you don't have children, all the more for you to be multiplying your behaviors, multiplying your worldview on others. God calls us to do it. It says it right here. A dead church doesn't get a hold of this. A dead church, they're full of what we call, Pastor, the other bishop before him, uh, Bishop Russ, he said, we call it stinking thinking. A dead church got a lot of stinking thinking, a lot of complaining, a lot of aggravation, that's the kind of stuff that gets replicated. You get That's a cancer. You keep replicating that and people fall away. We need to be a church that our, our ministry is simply our ability to talk about Jesus Christ. Talk about what he's doing in our lives. Talk about the, the people in our lives that are adding value. Talk about what God is doing. And if he's not doing something in your life, come up and get prayed for and watch him do something. Amen. You know, this is what our fellowship is about out there. So this morning we started something new from 10 to 10.30. We, we didn't have any other things going. No Sunday school, no other activities. 10 to 10.30, we were just fellowshipping out in the lobby. And there was, a, a, you know, most of you were out there. And this gives us a great opportunity, a great opportunity to meet one another and to talk closer with one another and to begin to stop the stinking thinking and to start the social ministry, the ministry of multiplying what God is doing in one life. Fairy, I'll show something with me about what gets me excited. I want to share that with brother over here. And brother Roy wants to share something with over here. And pretty soon, it starts like a wave going through our congregation about what God is doing. Be fruitful and multiply. You got it? God is good. And all the time. All right, so here we go. Here's number two, Acts 1.8. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So we talked about ministry of just, just sharing what God is doing. Now there is evangelism, which is very specifically talking to a human being about Jesus Christ and asking them where they stand with Jesus Christ. This recreation, 
God has created in you a rebirth. He has made you saved. He has, he has connected you with God. He calls us to recreate this salvation experience in those around us, to, to bring Christ to one another. We need to be thinking about this, church. And I tell you, all the time I get, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough Christian to, to talk to people about Christ. I, I don't know enough about the Bible to talk about Jesus Christ. Oh, here's my favorite. That's what the pastors do, right? The pastors are supposed to do that. Sure, the pastors are supposed to do that. I mean, one way to look at it is the pastors probably should be like the professional uh, talker tours about Jesus Christ. But there's got to be some amateur talker tours about Jesus Christ, right? That's some of you guys. And some of you guys are probably better at it than I am. We need to be talking to people about Jesus. This is what the Bible says. Who have you talked to about Jesus lately? It's okay. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. That's why we're out there in the thing from 10 to 1030. Let me get you some practice. Come talk to me about Jesus. Act like I don't have any clue. Come up to me, start a conversation. Ask me where I am with Jesus. Ask me where I am, what I think about God. Come up and say God is good. Let's get into a conversation. I'll teach you. Chris will teach you. All the pastors are out there. We'll teach you. You got to learn someplace. You got to learn somehow. That's what we're trying to do. Let me put it this way. Perhaps talking to people about Jesus is still, that bar is too high. Okay, how about this one? How about invite somebody to church? That bar's a lot lower, right? We got room over here for people. Right here. These people could be our neighbors. They could be our friends. They could be our coworkers. They could be our family members. I pray for these people. As a matter of fact, I walk up in those sections. I pray that the people who belong in these sections will come. Believe it or not, when Bridget and I first came to this church, the very, very, very first time, we sat in that far, 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 far right corner at the very, very top. It was the only room for us. If you don't think the people all the way up there are important, then you wouldn't have a pastor today. We need some people all the way up there in that corner. Amen? Amen? Amen. A dead church treats this concept of evangelism like a, like a private club. Let's just make church fun for us. Let's just do stuff that's good for us. Let's, let's keep it internal. A living church gets a hold of this telling people this is what evangelism is. It's very simple. See, ministry is talking about your life, telling people and sharing people about what's going on in your life. Evangelism is talking to others about Jesus Christ, just saying, hey, God is good all the time. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about this miracle that happened at church. I have to share this one with you. This is an orphan. It's one of our ministries in Uganda. I took this picture not to break your heart about orphans. These, this family is actually being ministered to. But I want to share it this way because I think it's so important. Chris and I talk about this all the time. When two human beings procreate outside generally of marriage and they have a baby and those two don't get along and separate, and those two at that point don't want to take care of their child, their child becomes an orphan. And there are plenty of orphans in Baltimore. There are plenty of orphans, and there's shelters and ministries to help these orphans. But these children, they raise up in these orphanages, and maybe it's because the parents died. Maybe it wasn't neglected. It could be lots of different reasons, but it's, it's not a good situation for children to grow up that way. Some psychologists referred to it as a form of child abuse in our country, in our states, and we try to help these children the best we can. This is why church is so important. When you have a baby in the context of a marriage, 
in the context of a marriage that's glorifying God, that baby can be raised in a home that will honor God and will be blessed by God. The same thing happens when you procreate spiritually. If you go and evangelize, if you go and minister outside the church, not connected to any church, if you go just on the street or at work or whatever, and you think you're doing your will of God, and you go and, and help somebody, and perhaps you even lead somebody to Christ, and they say, well, I accepted Christ in my heart, then you turn your back and leave and go away and never see them again, you just created a little spiritual orphan, and you told them to go walk the street. Good luck. See ya. You've literally created a child of God left to his own. It's a form of child abuse. In the context of a church, we have pastors, we have disciples, we have ministry leaders. When you go and minister, when you go and evangelize, you can follow up with, hey, let me invite you to church. I'll come with you. Bring them into this home where they can be loved, where they can, if they have children or if they have families, they can come and get a hold of what we got for them so that they can feel the love of Jesus Christ in their life. Amen? Anything short of that is abuse. The scripture talks about it over and over again. This next verse here is one that is most famous, and I wanted to end with this one. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Teach these new disciples, Matthew 28, 19. So when you talk about creation and what we should be creating, we talked about evangelism, we talked about ministry. I want to talk a little bit about discipleship. What is discipleship? Is it teaching your kids in Sunday school? Is it doing a Bible study? What is discipleship? When it says go and make disciples, what is a disciple? As a matter of fact, I encourage you this. Sometimes if you're in a conversation about religion and people say, you know, I'm a Muslim or I'm a Hindu or, you know, I'm this or I'm that, and, and they ask you, hey, what religion are you? Or, you know, what, what do you observe? Christianity and saying you're a Christian today is almost new age. I mean, Christianity could be mean anything to anybody. Matter of fact, it could basically mean I don't want to talk about it because you could just assume I'm a Christian. It's a label. You know, in our conference yesterday, we, we talked about this is really important. Next time somebody asks you, what is your worldview? Don't say you're a Christian. Say you're a disciple. And when they say disciple, disciple of what? A disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what we are called to be. Disciples of Jesus Christ. Followers of our Lord and Savior. And the Bible says go and make more of these people. So Chad said it best yesterday or last week. He said, you don't need to be the leader in a church. But God has called you to be a leader. You need to lead something. And this is what I'm talking. We're a small church. And we're changing some of our ministries around. Some people are asking a lot of questions about why we're doing that. I'm going to give you some insight right now. This is the meat at the end of the potatoes here. You need to be a leader. God calls you to it. It's what a disciple is. A disciple follows Jesus Christ. And here's what's so interesting about being a leader. When you go and you enter into a ministry, and you go and you begin to lead, and God puts their hand on you, God now evaluates that ministry, and he determines how much he can bless that ministry by a number of factors. One, your commitment to the situation, how we're going to take care of the people that are, are going to be blessed. Are we going to create orphans all over the place here? And one of the very important criteria the Lord uses when he gauges a ministry is who is next up. Who is next up? In the world, we call it this, train the trainer. 
It's something I even do. We go into a company, they need to start a new program. I train the guy who's going to train all the other people, right? And he goes, he trains everybody else. And then when he gets really good at it or he wants a new job, he goes off and he goes train somebody else. And one of the people who got trained now become the new leader and they train everybody else. Go and make disciples to all the nations. Teach these new disciples. Teach them what? Teach them the way Jesus Christ has set it up. So when we do ministries, one of the things you need to be creating in your ministry is your next leader. If you do not have your next leader, you are not doing ministry the right way. Now, the pastors, we call ourselves at fault for this. We haven't taught you this. We haven't showed you how to do it. I can't fix all the ministries in the church, so I start working on mine. I have five pastors on my team. Each one can do what I do. And you see them at work sometimes. And I put a lot of energy into trying to train them. And hopefully our team will be in a point where you only notice the difference between Sean and Chris and Amber and Chad and Bill and Clarence and Bridget and others who will be up here speaking the word of God. Half of them are getting real nervous right now. There must always be a next one. Greater work shall you do. Jesus said, you will come after me. Even Jesus Christ said, the Holy Spirit will come after me. There will always be a next one. If there's not a next one, Kingsway will cease to exist. If there's not a next one in your ministry, your ministry will cease to exist. Where's Brother Fred? Fred, you need a next one in your ministry. Amber needs a next one in her ministry. Chris needs a next one in his ministry. I need a next one in my ministry. Do you know how many opportunities that is for all of you? You're about to hear towards the end of the year here. One of our biggest ministries is about to go through a, a transformation of leadership. And it took us almost a year to find the next one. What am I saying? We need to be creating something. You need to be creating something. It is unacceptable for you to come to church, sit in a pew, listen to a sermon, and go home and do nothing with it. That is neglect. An absolute minimum, post something on Facebook, post something on Twitter, say something to your friends, create a positive vibe, a positive influence, do something at, at an absolute minimum, come to church next Sunday, come in the lobby and tell people what you thought of the service and, and be positive. Keep the negative stuff at home. I'd rather your home be negative. The church is going to be positive. Pretty soon your, church, your home will get infected with positivity as well. It's a good thing. Look, church, I'm exhausted. This move my job, everything. But there's nothing more important than to come here and share what God has put on my heart. I don't know, the conference, the rain, you know, it seems like half the church is not here. But for some reason, you guys are here. And you're listening. And I'm telling you right now, create something in your life. Be fruitful and multiply. Witness about Jesus Christ and go and make disciples. You know, the rest of this verse is to all the nations. I'm not asking you to go to all the nations. You can start right in your backyard, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in this church. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.